grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening. How is everybody? Yeah, we've got tornado warnings up and down the state of California right now. Go figure. In fact, I think unless they extended it, one just ended at 6 p.m. today. That's big time for California, you know. We're too busy thinking about earthquakes, not these tornado things. But uh, it's been an interesting day, to say the least, weather-wise. Anyhow, welcome, everybody. It's Friday for us. It's Friday for California. Technically, it's Friday for California Haunts Radio. As I ready my mind. You know what I'm going to miss most of all when I get my when I actually get a physical producer in here soon is I won't get to push the buttons anymore. Anyway, um, it's our Friday, but we've got a great guest for, for you guys tonight. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 35 strong up and down the state. And if you have any paranormal needs, UFO, sightings, Bigfoot, you name it, anything you want us to check out, we do it free of charge. We just take donations. And if we don't have if, if, if we don't have anybody located in your city, we will go to the next county and bring people in. We'll always make it a point to come because we try to have someone in almost, you know, every ur- you know near every urban major urban area so we can spread out and go stuff so like i said it's all donation we're here to help educate we're here to learn too we're learning along with you when we investigate your house you know we're trying to narrow it down to either being man-made or not being man-made or something we can't explain and every investigation we go on we take meticulous notes because why because that's how we learn so we're on a learning curve just as much as you are okay anyway so yeah like i said we work on donation and as you can see, there's a, a ticker going down along the bottom. And that's because we do work on donation. And so all our equipment, gas, lodging, computers, hats, headphones, mics, all that comes out of my pocket. So I'm always looking for donations to help keep things going. So if you can find it in your heart at some point to donate to help us keep the show on the air and help us keep our equipment up to date and all that good stuff, I would really appreciate it. So that's at paypal.me at California Haunts. Or... If you're uncomfortable with PayPal, that's Venmo. And then type in California Haunts and boom, you're there. But I'd appreciate it. If you're watching from YouTube today, welcome to anybody that hasn't seen the show before. If you're watching from YouTube today, uh, we're, look- we're looking for more subscribers. I mean, who isn't really on YouTube, right? YouTube doesn't show us enough love. So we're trying to get more subscribers. And the best way to do that is if you're watching from YouTube down on the, I think it's the right-hand corner, there's a little ghost with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. Click on him. That little ghost will make you a subscriber. And we've got 240 videos of different topics. Last night, we had Into the Minds of Serial Killers. So we like to vary what we do here. We might talk to somebody about the history of Coca-Cola. Never boring at California Haunts Radio. Trust me. Okay? Tonight's show, I'm excited. I love the stories that my dad used to tell me about the ghosts in Ohio. Because he grew up in Cleveland. And when I got into ghost hunting, he would tell me these stories about that. And he would tell me the stories about, you know, further out, like Appalachia. He used to, when he was in the Coast Guard, he knew people from, from Appalachia that had been drafted, <laughs> been drafted into the Coast Guard. And he used to tell me stories about that. So I'm really excited to have this gentleman on. Uh, it's Kevin Paul, author Kevin, Kevin Paul is our guest tonight. And he's written a couple books on haunted, on the haunted hollows. So I'm eager to talk to him about that, you know? So uh, without further ado, let's bring our guest in, shall we? Hello, sir. Hello, Charlotte. How are you? Very good. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Um, we don't have tornado warnings. We've just had cold, wet weather. So I was going to say, you know, you're, you're right in that, you know? <laughs> For a change, it's out here instead of out there. Yeah, we're doing a little better than you this evening. That's good. That's good. That's good. Tell us about you, sir. 
Well, I'm uh, I'm a native of Greene County, Pennsylvania. My family's been here since roughly the time of the revolution. Um, Greene County is the extreme southwest corner of Pennsylvania. We've got West Virginia on two sides of us. So I grew up a uh, small family farm, about 248 acres. Um, went to West Virginia University, majored in agriculture. Um, I've been involved in ag-related careers my entire life, um, and I'm a lifetime experiencer of, of paranormal activity. Okay. Um, heard a lot of folklore gr growing up, so it was, um, wasn't too much of a stretch to, um, you know, to, to step into uh, reading about the paranormal. Uh, a number of years ago, um, I was, uh, became aware of a, of a location here in the county that was extremely haunted and spent some time there um, and saw some stuff that was pretty bizarre. Um, I, to the point I was, a couple of times I was actually close to questioning my sanity and I heard on the radio one evening, um, the late Rosemary Ellen Guiley was uh, speaking. So I, long story short, I shot her an email, uh, never expecting to hear back from her. Um, and But in fact, I did, uh, we became, uh, she and my wife and daughter and I became very close friends. Um, and I worked with her off and on for about oh, 12 or 13 years. Um, it was her idea to do the first book, Haunted Hills and Hollows, What Lurks in Greene County, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, and I had promised there would be a sequel. And, and uh, as you probably know, unfortunately, she's passed. So the the first book came out in 2018 and the sequel came out uh, late last year. It's titled uh, Haunted Hills and Hollows 2, Still Lurking in Greene County, Pennsylvania. There we go. Oh, yeah, there you go. See, I got you covered. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> How hard was it to obtain the information for these books? Um, not as hard as I thought it would be. The, the first book... Um, we tied a lot of local history in with paranormal activity. I'd heard a lot of stories from my grandmother, particularly as a child, about um, interactions with um, uh, one side of the family with the, the uh, Native Americans that were here when they first got here from Germany. Mm -hmm. So um, we were able to tie some of the stories that I'd heard from her of locations where the Native Americans had been in with um, paranormal activity. And then it was just, you know, small town America, it was word of mouth. Uh, you just ask around, um, you know, a friend of a friend and that sort of thing. Um, second book was a little easier because um, people were, had been aware of the first. Mm -hmm. And um, I took a little different approach on it that, uh, um, couple of the chapters were a lot longer so it was a lot it was easier to do the research because i was focusing on one thing instead of of uh, several different uh phenomena mm -hmm. so that's that's sort of how they came about so what strikes you the most about the ghost stories that are in the phenomena that, that you have heard about is, is there anything that stands out the most to you well um it seems to me that um I've made this comment as a joke once a number of years ago that every place is haunted, but actually, you know, every place actually is. Um, when I first started working with Rosemary, she suggested that I read uh, The Hunt for the Skinwalker, which I did. And there's, um, there's a lot of that activity goes on here. And there was uh, two locations that we, that we searched. One was the, it's in the first book as, um, and the chapter called Angry Spirits of the Land, it was uh, a farm with a lot of really bizarre um, paranormal activity that very much mirrored the Skinwalker Ranch. Um, and then on uh, the second book, I spent a considerable amount of time at the uh, Greene County Historical Society Museum, which at one point had been um, the county poor farm and prior to that had been owned by some of my cousins that came here from germany so i we um as the years went and months and years went by I discovered a lot of the same type of activity there so it it um um it's got some high strangeness not 
quite as strange as that farm, but it it's ranks up there pretty high. Why do you think there's so much activity in, in, in that area? Well, there's several um, several answers. One would be um, it's Appalachia. I mean, we're uh, sort of the foothills of Chestnut Ridge. I'm sure you're familiar with um, stories out of the Chestnut Ridge, you know, Sasquatch and UFOs and all kinds of things. Um, if you look at the folklore aspect of it, which I kind of like to do, we've got a lot of the stuff here that in folklore would lend itself to paranormal activity. Um, a lot of remote places, uh, a lot of mineral extraction industries. There's um, a lot of abandoned coal mines. Um, there's some unusual electromagnetic activity um, that pops up. Um, if you're familiar with um, how Brandon Masulo's work um, about um, when traumatic things happen, it sort of sends out a, a permanent uh, uh, telepathic signal that becomes uh, permanently recorded. We've got a lot of that between the um, the uh, skirmishes with the Native Americans and exploitation of people and poverty. So it's kind of a, a mixture of things. Um, not really one thing in particular, but um, I. The more I look into this, I'm sort. I sort of think we're kind of a microcosm of the of the of the interaction with the spirit world. Um, I think probably most places are as haunted as this. It's just nobody's looked yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you, when you think about the Appalachian Mount, you know, up in Appalachia too. I mean, those families go back years and years and years up there. And I mean, they're sitting by the fire, you know, talking about stuff. And and you know, there's all kinds of creepy stuff that that that, that they've discussed over the years. Yeah, there's a lot of creepy stuff. Um, a lot of creepy stuff happens to families generation after generation because they're on the same land, you know, for hundreds of years. And um, it just becomes, it's just part of the landscape. And um, uh, like I said earlier, you can, um, we started off looking at places that my grandmother had mentioned where there'd been problems. Well, I wouldn't, shouldn't say problems. There'd been some uh, clashes with the Native Americans, but if you, mm-hmm take that a step further then start looking at some of the lore like um uh like uh involving the like fairy lore and you know they have favorite trees or the connection between intersections and bodies of water and and energy production with uh, you know unusual creatures and unusual happenings we've sort of got it all here um and i imagine it's that way um throughout the Appalachia. I know, like I said earlier, the Chestnut Ridge, and I've got some friends in um, Kentucky that uh, say the same thing. So I imagine um, in your part of California, if you had time to go look, you'd probably find the same thing. You know, you're, you've got the whole state covered. So obviously the, uh, the phenomena is there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And there's, there's places up in the foothills up here uh, with a lot of Native American, you know, events went on and so you get you you end up having to go in like in your investigations you have to take a medicine man with you you know because it's it's just native american land even in sacramento here as 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 cityfied as we are here there's areas like over in rosemont we did a house that had 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 native american stuff going on you know we had give peace offerings and stuff to calm the you know the stuff down in the house so I think I think it goes on all over it. I th- I agree with you. It's, it's an energy thing, you know, where yeah. there's just so much energy and so much yep. horror of what went on and you know depression and stuff of what, what went on. The feelings it's just all it's just so stuck there. The ground's got it. It's just absorbed it all. Yeah, as, as uh, say in the second book, what happens to the land happens to the people, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, um, you know, a place like uh, Appalachia. When the folks have been on the same uh, tract of land for generations, you know they know the stories and and uh, they've seen the stuff. And uh, a lot of times, it's repetitive. Absolutely. Now let's go back to this farm you were talking about. That reminds you of Skinwalker. Why does it remind you of Skinwalker? Well, it was a much smaller scale, but there were. Um, there were animal mutilations. There were um, uh, there were hostile entities. There were shadow people. 
Um, there was uh, Rosemary and I both saw, um, and I, I, I hate to use this description, but there was a um, kind of a shimmering uh, entity that put you in mind of the predator in the movie. It was like it was you could sort of see it because it refracted light, but you didn't actually see it. Um, there was balls of light. Uh, sometimes they were in the house, and sometimes they're in the field. Um, a very hostile negative energy. Um, a lot of interference with, um, we started off doing a, uh, sort of a traditional, um, investigation with electronics and we eventually abandoned it, um, because there was so much interference. And we, we, at that point just resorted to, um, a digital recorder and a couple cameras and, uh, intuitive work. But, um, um, there was something there that, um, uh, dogs would pick up on and were afraid of, um, constantly felt like you're being watched. Um, just that sort of thing. Uh, like I said, it wasn't the scale of the Skinwalker Ranch, but it was, uh, a lot of, uh, parallels. I know there's a particular cemetery that we go to practice in that's open at night. And I know there's Native Americans, they're not, I don't know if they weren't allowed to be buried within the cemetery, you know, with the settlers or what, but they're buried along the fence out on the perimeter. And I know they will watch. If you're in there at night, you will get the feeling that you're being watched. They're, 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 they're standing at the perimeter watching us. Yeah, I get some of that. Um, we had some of that there. Um... When I first noticed it, I I actually made a comment that I half expected to see Sasquatch step out of the out of the woods. Um, we did have a um, I gotta think for a minute. They were um, Seneca uh, came out, and um, they uh, warned us about a couple trees we should have avoided. And um, I didn't take them seriously at first, but by the time we were done, I did. And um, I got a photograph of a, uh, this, it's in the, uh, in the first book, there was a uh, kind of a hostile entity that would show itself in the uh, upstairs windows of the house. Um, and I uh, showed it to a, uh, uh, an elderly uh, Cherokee uh, woman. Uh, had a little, it took some convincing to get an audience with her and, um, and she said she wasn't sure what it was, but she knew it wasn't one of theirs. But it was, okay. um, it was pretty, it just a lot of hostility. Um, and there, we did find some Native American, uh, or what appeared to be Native American artifacts on the property. Uh, you know, do a little excavating and you come across these things. So we put them back where we found them. But we, that seemed to kick activity up um, <laughs> right. a notch or two. Right. It was a bit. It was a bit of a learning experience. I was um, wasn't quite expecting what what we got or got into. But we did the same thing that you had mentioned. Um, did a peace offering with um, some Native American tobacco that mm -hmm. that helped for quite a while, um, but eventually sort of wore out. Um, I, I think we just wore out our welcome. We were. Um, it was made pretty clear that we weren't welcome there, so. Yeah. We got out of there eventually. Understood. It's amazing because a lot of writers will just write about places that, you know, they'll interview different paranormal groups and then write about the places, but you actually go into places and write about them. Well, I, um, I guess that maybe that's just the way I am. I grew up watching a lot of film noir and a lot of uh, detective movies from the 40s and 50s. So, uh, you know, I'm always wanting to know what's behind the mystery and sort of a beef I have with some aspects of the paranormal industry is, is a lot of the investigations um, that are public are more about the investigators than the entities that they're supposed to be checking up on. And it, and it's sort of like a, um, uh, it's backwards. The focus should be on the entity and, and less on the celebrity. But I, you know, that's, that's just the world we live in. So I, um, try to tell the, try to tie the history of the place in with the, um, 
with the activity, um, partly to see if, you know, when you investigate these places, you want to, uh, especially if you get some really unusual claims, you want to, um, I want to try to make sure there isn't something there that needs, you know, like debunked. Right. So you just look into it. And my thing is I, um, get the history and look at the, uh, what's been reported and then see what matches up with the folklore. That's kind of how I do it. Very interesting. Now, did you have trouble like, like up in Appalachia? I mean, with, with some of the families up there trying to get information from them. Um, every now and then there'll be people will promise you information and they won't, um, they won't, you know, they'll back out. Um, Got threatened a couple times. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, this is in the first book. I was down along the Monongahela River, which is the eastern boundary of the county, on a river trail. It's one of those places that just, it just creeps me out. I just about can't stand it. The, the place is just, um, it's got a lot of energy in it, and none of which agrees with me. And this guy walks up to me in a, uh, I can still see him. He had the old, um, General Motors Goodwrench uh, jacket on, only it looked like it was brand new. And I was down there looking for some stuff because we'd heard some rumors. And this guy just walks up out of the blue and says, you know, people come down here and poke around uh, and stuff that's none of their business uh, get hurt. And then he walked away. <laughs> and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get the camera to focus on him. And um, it really freaked me out because he had really out of date uh, clothes on, looked like they were brand new. He's a big mm -hmm. guy. Um, and like I said, that part of the county, I, I'm not real comfortable with anyway. So there's that. Um, I was looking into a place. It's in the second book. The, uh, there's a house that was owned by the Mordock family. And I got some uh, really good information from some of the descendants of the folks that lived there. And then all of a sudden it just stopped. So I'm, I'm guessing they figured out what I was up to. Um, other than that, um, it hasn't been too, hasn't been too bad. You just have to be um, patient. Uh, I found if you ask, you'll get met with silence. But if you're patient and wait for people to come forward, you'll get more information. But then this is, you know, small town Appalachia. So, oh, yeah, that's how. Yeah. You're from Ohio. You know how it works. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, he told me uh, when they would go on leave. Yeah. With these guys. And this is back. This is back in World War Two yet, you know, but he was shot. He, he'd never um, really been up in like Appalachia <laughs> or any of those areas. And, and, he, and he told stories about, you know, you hear you're driving up there and, and all of a sudden these guys come out of the woods out of nowhere. You yeah. know, you're, you're on our land, yada, yada, yada. He, he said he couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I um, I still work three days a week in, uh, in natural uh, soil and water conservation work. And there's places we go where there's easements are owned by public entities. And, and in theory, since, you know, I'm contracted out to these, these public entities, I've, you know, we have right to be on there as long as it's related to, you know, the purpose that the easement was purchased for. Mm -hmm. And we've been challenged several times and usually it's like three or four guys and, and um, a lot of bad language and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've been there, <laughs> but I, um, usually what will happen is um, people will tell you a story. I mean, a really, really good story. And so you jot it down, you get the contact information, say, well, when I'm ready, I'll call you. When you call them back, they get, they've got cold feet. They don't want to talk about it. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's just, they don't want you running back up there to, to poke around either. You know, well, they, you I can understand You write it and they will come, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you've been there, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. You investigate these places and, um, uh, weird stuff starts happening at home. Um, that was the case of that farm. Uh, that was one of the reasons we pulled the plug was um, there's just too much stuff uh, happening to me and um, uh, it was starting to get ugly. So we just, we bailed on it. Um, and I know when we were, uh, I was working with a, a psychic uh, east of here in Armstrong County, uh, Lindsay Miller. 
and we were looking into some stuff at the museum and she and I both, and we were chatting on social media. Um, so she's, she's about two hours away from here and we were comparing notes and the internet, we both lost our internet connection, which, you know, you don't really think too much about it, but there was right. a, there's an entity stepped out of the wall here, um, out of the living room wall. And then she sent me when we both, we got both back, got back online. She sent me a video of, of the room that she works out of. And, and, um, there wasn't any windows open, but there was a breeze blowing through there because you could see the stuff on her shelves moving. So we sort of, uh, we backed off on that one too. We decided that, uh, we'd uh, maybe stuck our nose in there a little bit too far. Right, right. And I think maybe like with the people in Appalachia too, talking about it, like you say, it was happening to you. Imagine if they start talking about it and this is on their property and then the stuff starts to increase because they're thinking about it more, you know? And I think maybe that's the fear up there. Yeah, it, yeah. And in some cases, probably it's probably justified. Um, I've talked to, there's... A couple of places here that um, at least uh, one national and one regional uh, paranormal investigative team, and and that's in quotes because it's more entertainment in my in my opinion than anything else. Um, came in and there were some problems afterwards. Um, ramped up activity, and some of it wasn't too uh, wasn't too friendly. Gotcha. So what types of legends come out of uh, the mountains? Like you were talking about Sasquatch, but there's, there's got to be other stuff that they've claimed they, they've encountered up there. Well, there is a, um, I stumbled across a newspaper article years ago from the 1890s of two guys uh, were hunting not too far from uh, Waynesburg, which is the county seat. And the story in the newspaper was, they encountered what we would call a reptilian. Um, so it was a lizard man. That's what that we started calling it. And uh, Rosemary and I. So lizard, these two guys ran into lizard man. They're hunting. And lizard man's sort of like the Gorn of Star Trek fame. He's big and strong, but he's not real fast. So he latches a hold of the one guy and like puts him under his arm. And he's carrying him away. So his hunting buddy uh, runs for help. And they track this thing down just as it's about to go into the proverbial hole in the ground. And they are, you know, they're shooting at it and throwing stuff at it or whatever they're doing, yelling at it. So it drops their, the human goes down in the hole and then they uh, collapse the cave in on top of it. And it's never seen again. So I, um, we sort of attributed that to one of those stories that was written to sell newspapers in uh -huh. the 1890s. So when I was, uh, we were doing the first book and I, I needed a couple stories and I kept thinking, boy, I wish I had, I wish I had a witness that, had, a, you know, a modern day witness that had seen Lizard Man. And I, um, I was in a local market and I, and I uh, was chatting with a lady that knew that I was working on this book. And, um, and I, I told her the Lizard Man story and I said, boy, I wish I could run into somebody um that had seen something similar to this especially if it was in franklin township but as it turned out one of her kids actually had and it wasn't too far from where these two guys had been hunting and it was also real close to one of the native american sites um i don't know if you're familiar with there's lore all up and down appalachia about uh, native american graves Mm -hmm. where the people that are buried are only like three feet tall. Yes. And there's there's debate on whether or not they're dwarves or if they're kids and this and that and the other. And I've it, it just blew me away. And I thought, well, this is, this. it was on the same farm, in fact. And I thought, this is pretty cool. Lizard bands on the same tract of ground as this one Native American burial site that's very well documented. So Lizard Man made it in the book. And I, I'm... I could say it was a pretty, I'm fairly confident we encountered Lizard Man again because um, he turns up in the second book um, associated with artifacts from the Native, Native American graves that came from that same farm 
that had been stored at the uh, Historical Society. So um, that's one. Of course, we got the you know usual urban legends. We've got Crybaby Bridge. Um, there's a really cool local story, local legend of a guy. In, um, it's called Stovepipe. There's a lot of different variations of what happens, but the Cliff's Notes version is: guy gets beheaded by a train, and he's spending eternity um, outside the small town of Rice's Landing, looking for his head. So you go down there and you do certain things. And um, uh, stovepipe will appear. Um, we've got some dog man stories. Um, I wasn't really on board with dog man at first because I I had read years ago about um, you know some of the f initial uh, when when Bigfoot was uh, seen a lot here in the seventies. There's a big flap in especially in Fayette County on Chestnut Ridge. Some of them kind of looked sort of had canine features to their face. So I had sort of lumped Dogman in with um, Sasquatch. But we do, um, we've got some Dogman reports that I, uh, might actually be, uh, might actually be that. Um, the witnesses certainly think they are. And I know, um, if you look at it from the folklore standpoint, um, there's some black shucks here. So we've got some, we've got some hellhounds running around. Um, I've, I've, seen one of them myself um so um we don't have any thunderbird sightings here yet that i know of although they're in the region um a lot of ufos um a lot of uh balls of light or, or spheres whatever you want to call them um some men in black every now and then um black-eyed kids once in a while that sort of thing. A lot of shadow people. When you talk about the hellhounds, can you describe it? Well, um, basically, a big black canine on all four, black fur. Uh, the color of the eyes can vary, yellow to red. Um, I've seen them um, on foot <laughs> going up and down the sidewalk in the borough of Waynesburg um, more than once. And every now and then to see what appears to be an extremely large wolf, but I, it's not the same as the, um, as the hellhound. There's, there's a couple, um, Couple reports of hellhounds at the uh, at the historical society, um, which sort of helped us um, nail down what we think some of the non-human activity is there. Um, I, I think some of it is related to what the Muslims call jinn, and that's one of the favorite forms they like to take is um, a canine. Um, and also uh, in the second book, um, uh, I had a personal encounter with, um, this is one of those stories, it's one of those things I never, I mean, if somebody told me when I was 30 years old, I'd be talking about this, I would laugh at him. I had, I had an encounter with uh, an Irish deity, the Morgan, and she's accompanied by a rather large dog sometimes. And um, every now and then I see him uh, by himself. That's interesting. I mean, you must have psychic abilities or you wouldn't be seeing these things. Um, yeah, I, you know, I got a lot of folklore, a lot of folklore from my grandparents, especially my grandmother. And her thing was just because somebody says it and it sounds unbelievable doesn't mean it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And I can remember uh, talking to her about the, um, oh man, my mind just went black. The hop. Hopkinsville Goblins, I think it was, in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was just a kid, and it was the story was retold on the local papers. And um, I, I said, I, you know, what's going on with this? And her, she kept coming back to, well, they were shooting at something. And, you know, you live in the country, and you don't have a lot of money. You don't load a 30 odd 6 and start shooting at stuff because it's mm -hmm. expensive. And, um, you know, and weapons aren't toys, you know, it's something you need. Mm -hmm. 
so it was kind of like you know think outside the box and and accept the folklore um so you grow up like that and then i'm pretty sure my dad had some um i i've seen shadow people most of my life and i never said anything to either i never mentioned it at all to my mother she was very um everything was um factual she was very factual and towards the end of my father's life i mentioned it to him about seeing shadows and he said yeah that he'd seen them and i said well i thought when i was a kid i thought everybody saw him and he just said oh no so i i, I yeah i guess i am um i used to think i could read people my off-farm job for years was retail because you could make good money at it um and i thought i learned to pe read people from work in retail but i thought I think I was reading people because I was actually reading them. Right. Yeah, right. And, af and after I started working with Rosemary and she was the one that uh, was saying, um, you know, just clear your mind and sit down and listen. And, um, you know, and start, you record your dreams and that sort of thing because dreams have meaning. And um, just like that encounter with the Morgan, there was like two years of dreams that led up to that, that made absolutely no sense at all. Till I uh, sat down and read some Morgan lore. And then it was just like, oh my God. Um, it's like gin stuff. You read about the gin and you realize, um, you know, you've bumped into them a lot. You just didn't know what they were. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, the thing with Morgan interests me because you had those dreams that didn't make sense. What possessed you to even uh, do any reading on, on Morgan? Well, um, I started having, I started encountering people in real life that were appearing in dreams. And in the dreams, um, I categorized them as aliens, but they okay. weren't like, in, they were more like uh, what Keel would have called ultra, ultra terrestrials. And uh, the first one was, uh, um, I'll show my age here. The first one looked like a uh, Vietnam War era uh, hippie girl. Mm -hmm. And I ran into her um, in broad daylight in real time uh, one day. Just about, it just about floored me. Um, and she'd been in these dreams. And then it changed. And I started seeing this woman uh, dressed from antiquity that was, um, uh, she wasn't hostile, but she's very businesslike, uh, very, very uh, feminine, a lot of feminine energy and dignified. And um, she was trying to communicate with me and it was, she would hand me things that had what looked to me like runes written on them, uh, a lot of geographic, um, excuse me, a lot of geometric shapes. Um, and I realized one day or one after one of these dreams that I was seeing this woman um, and she was uh, Celtic. And I've, I've got some Scotch Irish, I'm Scotch Irish German, mm -hmm. but it still wasn't making much sense. And again, I was at work one day, um, broad daylight. There was a, another guy with me. This is detailed in the second book. And this woman steps out of the woods uh, with this great, big, great, big black dog. And I thought, I it just, I, once again, I was floored and I asked my associate what he saw and he saw a completely different woman than what I did. So I, and I had been, this is something else I'd worked with Lindsay with. Uh, and I got home and I fired off a message to her. And, um, and there was a lot of other things that were Morgan related. I was having, I was encountering crows. I was having dreams about cattle. I didn't, I didn't put that in the book. Um, a lot of dreams, you know, Morgan's associated with uh, horses, dogs, mm -hmm. uh, cattle, you know, um, all kinds of stuff was coming up in these dreams. And it wasn't until uh, I was talking, Lindsay was the one that actually convinced me to, to look into the Morgan, because this is another thing I thought was, I was like off my rocker. Mm -hmm. And I uh, purchased a book and started reading about it. And I thought, yeah, this is who I'd run into. And it was a little bit of a, uh, little bit of a panic for me because I was raised Christian, you know, and you, and, and the Morgan offers you a contract. And in my case, um, 
I don't think this is in the book, but what she handed me was essentially was a wedding invitation. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> somebody, you know, sorry, I'm spoken for. And but I was taking it out of context. And um, so we kind of worked that out. And I, I just said, and I talked to a couple of people that were far more schooled in this than I am. And, and they said, well, you know, you just have to sit down and say, boy, thank you very much, but I can't. And here's why. And I, so I explained it thinking, I was, thinking again, well, either this will work or I'm nuts or it'll cause problems, but it hasn't caused any problems. Um, I still see her every now and then. Um, and things are cordial. Um, but um, it's just one of those things. You know, if I if I hadn't been raised or influenced to accept folklore, then this none of this would make any sense whatsoever. I it just would have been bonkers. Did you find that when you first started to go out to to look around that it's like the doors opened for you? You know, and then you were starting to get flooded with all this all this different stuff coming into your house and you know, these feelings yeah. about. And and some of it was inexperience. I you know I'd read a lot about it, but I never really quote unquote investigated anything. And um, so I made some mistakes. One of which was, um, you know, you got to protect yourself before you start. So um, in addition to prayer, um, I use uh, four thieves vinegar. Um, it it works. Um, you know, everybody's got their thing. I was one thing Rosemary told me. Um, she said, well, you know, whatever your belief system is, is what you should use. So that's what I do. And 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 because I, um, uh, there again, um, you know, Appalachian uh, folk magic and Protestant Christianity. So I got the four thieves vinegar and, uh, you know, prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think is one of the most common seen uh, entities in your area <sighs> other than the usual ghosts yeah well this is based on um over two years looking into the museum and um three with rosemary at that farm and a couple on my own i'm becoming more and more convinced that well, yes, there are human hauntings, and yes, I have seen uh, apparitions of humans. Um, a lot of people are seeing things that they're attributing to ghosts that are actually a different part of the spirit world. Um, and then you get into things like, and you can put whatever label you want to put on it, um, fairies, leprechauns, um, some people say fallen angels um gin uh whatever you want to call it um these things have been around forever longer than we have mm -hmm. so uh you know it's sort of like the debate in the in the bigfoot community you know is bigfoot flesh and blood or is he uh is he uh inter interdimensional well i um i'm becoming increasingly convinced that if you're someplace where there is a ghost and you have poltergeist activity, then um, you're actually dealing with interdimensionals other than uh, deceased humans. So I, I don't know if I'm answering your question or not. No, no, but... no. I'm just saying, I was just thinking about what you were saying. And, you know, and the more I read alien abduction encounters. Yeah. And what happens after the fact, not yeah. during the abduction, but after. It makes me wonder because of the EVPs we get, because the EVPs do not, I mean, once in a while you'll get one that sounds like somebody's voice, but the rest of the time, you know, there's such low frequency, they're so far off, or, yeah. they're, or they're garbled, or they sound mechanical. So it makes yeah. me wonder if we're not picking up either something that's interdimensional or it's aliens. Yeah, I agree. Um, that that's And I, I hate to use the word problem, but that's I'm, I'm really skeptical about EVPs. Um, because there's so many of them in in pop culture. Okay, I'm Joe Blow, and I'm going down the hall of this haunted place, and there's an EVP, and instead of letting you hear it, they put on the screen what it says. 
-hmm. which which blows it for me. Um, I did. Uh, I, I there's a couple guys that went underwent um, hypnotic regression to relive uh, encounters with UFOs, mm -hmm. and I did the same thing uh, with this with the same uh, person to try to re get a better memory of something that happened to me um, and heard this really strange sound, like right before, right when you're sort of leaving this consciousness and going into the next one where you could, where you actually relive this stuff. It was just this odd sound that would come up and you had to like, once you got through it, then your memory would unfold. And I was out at the museum. Um, this has probably been, this would have been 2020, I think, 2020 or, yeah, 2020. And there was a team out there that was um, a small group. They're not, um, they're not nationally known. They're, they're just, people are actually pretty serious about it. And they had recorded some sounds that they didn't recognize. And they had recorded, and they said, have you ever heard this before? And I said, yeah, I heard that when I got hypnotized. And, um, and I think you're right. It, it's, it's, uh, uh, and there again, you know, you get into the trickster element. Um, if you want to hide in plain sight, because, um, you know, you don't want people poking around, then you can let them think they're talking to, you know, great aunt till that died in 1929. And in reality, they're talking, you know, they're hearing something else. Right. Right. Do you also think, and, and this is a theory that my friends, the Constantinos, were, were, were putting out there, was that the, 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 there's a particular restaurant up in Auburn up here, and that's claimed that there have been ghosts in there for years, but then other information came out to say that there aren't really ghosts in there. It's the ghosts that people wanted to be there. So, so many people had gone in there looking for particular ghosts that they left an imprint themselves. I've I've read that uh, not that particular um, place, but people will go out with intention and they will find what they're looking for because it's their intent, mm -hmm. um, and that's that's entirely possible. Um, and I I um, I don't know how you would prove it one way or the other. It would it right. would it would take a lot of it would take a lot of time, but it'd make a fascinating project. And that's what my friends were working on up until their death. Um, so, like you say, it's a fascinating project because they were able to put a you know they were able to create voices and everything that 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 were coming out of, out of the building itself, wherever they were from, you know, wherever they were sitting. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's kind just of from cool. intent. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that the people in Af up in Appalachia now? I mean, there's got to be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of different legends up there. I mean, they're in the middle of. The <laughs> I mean, it's it's lonely up there. It gets dark at night, you know. Yeah. And it makes you wonder. I mean, did you hear more ghost stories up there as opposed to other stuff? When I was younger, heard uh, heard ghost stories. Um... And it was one of those deals where you'd be driving down the road and everybody knew, you know, you go past it. Everybody knew this house is haunted mm -hmm. or um, like stovepipe. Everybody knew if you went to Rice's Landing, you could run into stovepipe. And then when I got into high school uh, and this was in the early seventies, there was the big UFO flap and um, you know, Bigfoot was seen all over the place and, and uh, uh, especially in the Chestnut Ridge. And, and to some extent here, and um, so there's been there's been a wider variety, but there again, like like you'd mentioned, intent. You know, no, but um, twenty years ago, Dogman, I like I said, I thought was just part of the Bigfoot phenomena. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, when the Beast of Bray, when Linda Godfrey's Beast of Bray Road came out, right. Beast of Bray Road, yep, and then. Um, so I've talked to uh, a couple people here that are very credible, and I believe that they saw, you know, essentially what was a dog man. Now, the, the question is, um, you know, one of them, uh, the one guy definitely is not into dog man. I mean, uh, he wants nothing to do with it. That's one thing to do with paranormal. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go out with the intention of seeing Dog Man, um, yeah, I it's entirely you might uh, you might see one just because um, you're suggesting it to yourself. I don't know, but um, it seems like. Um, I don't look into um, human hauntings as much. I'm more interested in, in the um, in the spirit world, as in um, um, using folklore to sure. interpret cryptid sightings. Sure. But I, um, we there does seem to be a little bit of everything in Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about the cryptid sightings and the folklore, how are you able to put that together? Well, um, read a lot of other people's work. Um, and, and you had touched on this earlier about the, the abduction um, experiences. Um, and I've, I've talked to someone that was, um, wasn't abducted, but had a, a very close encounter with a, um, a UFO in their youth and has been plagued with um, really um, disturbing paranormal activity, not life-threatening, but the kind of stuff that it, it just like never quite leaves you alone. Mm-hmm. And um, when Rosemary was alive and she was here and we were looking into that uh, farm, was when I had first heard about gin and, and initially it was a hard sell for me um, because I had the Western concept of, uh, you know, genie in the bottle. Mm-hmm. But if you read, um, oh, she did a book. She did a couple books on gin. One, her, her co-author was kind of discredited, but uh, she did two books that had in material from Greene County and I'm about gin. Uh, the second one's called the Gin Connection. It's out of print now, um, and I was afraid to read it for quite a number of years. In fact, I had it. Um, I think it came out in 2013, and I just read it um, this past year because I was afraid to read it. Mm-hmm. But reading it, um, I didn't realize that's when it that's when it really clicked to me what she was talking about that, that a lot of this stuff regardless of what label you put it on it, which depends on what your culture is, um, it's all coming out of the spirit world because the um, you can take, um, you know, uh, Bigfoot's big and hairy and he smells bad. Well, you know, gin can do that. Um, right. uh, hellhounds, gin can do that. Um, uh you go into these places and people are here, they're hearing strange sounds like clicks, words, buzzing, you know, disembodied voices that speak in gibberish, um, just all kinds of stuff. You know, it's gin or you, or you can substitute um, fairies. I'm, I, I need to quit saying the word fairies because I read where they don't like to be called fairies. They preferred things like uh, to be called the gentry. So, mm-hmm. um and there again, that's something else. If somebody told me when I was 30, I'd be talking about fairies. I would have just, I would have <laughs> howled. But I, th- I really think that's the key. Um, and um, what a lot of investigators miss is they're, is they're kind of caught up in what their devices are telling them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the spirit world a lot of times communicates in metaphors. So they can be telling you something and we're completely misinterpreting it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, uh, there again, um, I don't use electro. I use very very little in the, in the way of electronics. I use uh, I have a digital recorder. They use sometimes and a camera and a couple trail cams, mm-hmm. and that's it. The rest of it's um, you know legwork and intuitive work and you know dowsing and that sort of thing. Um. And I noticed over long-term investigations in two different places that um, the entities that we initially thought were human would shut off the same devices every time mm-hmm. that were battery-powered, but leave other other things alone that were battery-powered. And I, it, it kind of bothered me. Um, 
it didn't it didn't make any sense and it uh, i was reading uh um a couple articles on the gen and talked about them being made up of um uh, electromagnetic energy or plasma or energy mm-hmm. and um one of the things i read reference were and i've heard investigators say this well leave your computer on or leave the tv on and it'll interfere with the entity so my thought is Maybe it is, you know, and a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, at least here on the East Coast, people say, well, the entities need to power from the AA batteries so they can manifest themselves. And mm-hmm. I, I've i gotten to the place where I don't think that's the case. I think the problem is, is the device that the batteries go dead is annoying the entities. Therefore, they drain it because not all types of electromagnetic, not all types of energy are compatible. Mm-hmm. So if what we're talking about are ultra terrestrials as opposed to deceased humans, then it could be a case of like, um, you know, country A is jamming country B's radar. So mm-hmm. our what we think we need to observe the spirit world might actually be um, at minimum annoying and, and at maximum um, harmful. So that's, that's uh, I'm not sure how I'll prove that, but that's, you know, that's my theory. When you talk about fairies, and I've, I've only, I've been doing this almost 25 years, maybe more. I run into two cases involving fairies. The first one was in a house in, in Folsom. The last one we did was a couple of years ago. And, you know, it was kind of, to me, I was, I'm like you when it came up the second time. I didn't expect it. And when the psychic said, well, it's the fairies that are causing this. And I thought, seriously? You know, I was kind of incredulous. But then as the investigation yep. went on, it made more and more sense, you know, as to what was going on in the house. That it was, in fact, in fact, the fairy folk. But, you know, when you first come in contact with the fairies, you're very, your, your mind doesn't want to believe that. Yeah, and you've been taught that they all look like Tinkerbell, and that right. you know they all just flitter around and they put frost on flowers, and right. and you know, and then you read the lore, it's like, well, you know, you don't want to like make them angry because they're tad wrathful if, if they're yeah. provoked. And I, um, um, the last encounter I had with him, I was walking past uh, some landscaping. And there was some discussion as to what kind of Christmas lights should be put up. And I heard clear as a bell, like a group of voices saying, we would like red lights. Nice. And I was like, <laughs> Roy, red would look really good here. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, um, and that's what they put up. But, um, yeah, I um, never imagined I'd be going there, but then, um, you know, I can talk about uh, the parallels between them and the gin and the leprechauns and you name it. Right. Um, it's cross-cultural it's, it's spiritual. Um, and I think some of this stuff people don't want to talk about because like in the case of the Morgan or in the case of the gin or the case of fallen angels, um, you've, you the information's coming from from religious sources, which I don't have any problem with, but mm-hmm. some people just, you know, gets their hackles up or they get defensive or, mm-hmm. or they're uncomfortable. But again, you know, you grow up on a farm in rural Pennsylvania um, when you have to adapt to nature instead of, uh, you know, push, pushing your way through it. It's not a stretch for me, but I can see where it would be for a lot of people. And the other thing you haven't mentioned yet, we come in contact with these things, and I'm sure you do in the coal mine area, the Tommyknockers. Well, um, I'm familiar with the Tommyknocker story. Uh, the Tommyknocker reports I've read were east of here, and uh, this was uh, a bituminous country, and they were moored around the uh, anthracite mines. Um, there is, there's some similar stories. Um, there's uh, the Puckwudgies and the Albat Witch. Um, but here, uh, 
<laughs> haven't it's had to me. <laughs> no, no worries. <laughs> haven't had if they're if the stories are here, I haven't heard them yet. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm familiar with the lore. I hear you. It's not you. It's me. I I don't sleep well at night, so. Uh, listen, I, I get it. Are interesting because sometimes they can either be aggressive, or they right. can be mischievous. This house we did up in near Plaster near Camino, they would come into the house and they would see them in the house, dressed in their little you know dressed in their little mining outfits, and they would steal things in this in this guy's house. Very mischievous, move stuff around, but then you hear the other stories about how if you if if you're if you go into the mine and, and you meet up with one, that means there's going to be a collapse, you know, a, the mine collapse yeah. and all that. But I, I, I agree with you. The lore, the lore part of it's fascinating, and I admire you for doing that. I admire you. I admire your books because I think it's absolutely fascinating to look into that kind of lore. Well, thank you. I appreciate that uh, very much. I, um, it, it seems old fashioned to a lot of people, um, but if you've got you know, 20,000 years of Native American stories explaining something, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and Appalachian folk beliefs, you could accept that because they, you know, the Indians say it's true. Right. There's got to be something to it. Yeah. There's got to be something to it. Well, when you look at even the uh, story of Jesus's birth. Right. I mean, even the Native Americans over here saw the star. Everybody saw this story. Everybody knew something had great had happened. It's just it, it, it was written down differently for each religion. Right. You know, so it all makes sense. Just like the aliens. If they, certainly if they were with the Egyptians, certainly the aliens were here. Like you talk about the reptile guy, you know, right. being buried around the Native Americans. So certainly, you know, if, if the aliens were visiting ancient Egyptian, ancient Egypt, they were sure as heck coming everywhere else. Oh, I agree. You know. Sir, thank you. This hour went by really fast. I really this was a quick one. Yes, I thank you for coming on. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. I, I've enjoyed this. I've uh, watched several of your shows and uh, I've really enjoyed them. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thank thanks you so for uh, thanks for the opportunity. And how can people reach you, sir? I can be reached. I'm not a tech guy, as I said earlier, so I'm pretty old-fashioned. Uh, email haunted gc as in haunted green county at yahoo.com uh, i'm on facebook under my name kevin paul or i can also be found on facebook um, haunted hills and hollows that's yeah. it for now um that's what i get for not sleeping at night yeah <laughs> uh, listen i'm i'm right there with you no worries um i may do it I may get into Twitter one of these days. I don't know. I just, I'm not just not a tech guy. I'm, I'm more of a gearhead than a tech guy. Absolutely. Well, I would love to have you on again to talk more about this stuff because I can um, talk about black eyed kids and all that stuff. Tell, tell the cows come home, you know, because there's just so many legends out there and, and it's stuff that people don't, don't even know about. Um, I'll come back on anytime. So anytime, just give me a holler. Um, I, I just appreciate the opportunity to uh, to talk to someone on the West Coast. It, it's just a treat for me. Well, I didn't blow away, so I guess the tornado thing's off. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, let's looking. hope not. But then again, I am in a closet doing the show, so I probably wouldn't know. I'll probably step out. The whole house will be gone. I don't know. Yeah, yeah my but, biggest concern, now, there's a border collie here in the room with me, and I was afraid she's going to be opening and closing the door while behind me while we were talking. To the... <laughs> there you go. I used to have a Kelpie when I was in the other office. I used to have a Kelpie that would sleep under the couch in there when I was doing the show. And people would be like, I can hear something in the background. There's, there's heavy breathing. And I'm like, it's the dog. <laughs> you know, or she'd snore right when I was on the air. It was it was pretty bad. Yeah. It was cute. But I mean, you know, especially if I was doing a thing about EVPs or something, and then pe people would get all alarmed because they thought I had a ghost in the house. So, <laughs> and an angry one at that. An angry one at that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, sir. Have a great rest of your evening. And have You're a good welcome. Weekend. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You too. All right, guys. That was a fun show. I learned a lot about Appalachian stuff. I'm always curious about those areas because I know there's a lot of old folklore and legends up there, you know. Anyway, tomorrow, of course, we're not here. We're closed tomorrow. However, Sunday we're back. We're going to be reading um, the Mojave Incident. Again, that'll be 6 p.m. Sunday. We're back at our usual time. Monday, 
author James Stewart's going to be with us to tell us about the ghosts and the mystery of Blue Sea Cottage. So we're, he's going to be on with us Monday at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay. You want to check us out, people that are still watching, uh, CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated us, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. See? And do subscribe to our YouTube page. The more subscribers, the merrier. Again, we are not, we, well, I'm not saying we're not a profit. We do go out and do ghost hunts and stuff, and we do not take money to do them. We do all have to simply help people. So all the equipment you see here all comes out of my pocket. If you could find it in your generous hearts to kind of help me out to keep things going and keep the show on the air, I'd really appreciate it. PayPal.me at California Haunts or Venmo and then just type in California Haunts. And I'd appreciate it because, you know, something breaks like the headphones or the computer or something. I've got to somehow come up with a bunch of cash to fix it all or, or buy a new one to replace it so I can keep the show coming. This is what I do. I'm a journalist. I'm a photojournalist. This is what I do. So, you know, it, it, this is it for me. All right. And I enjoy doing it. Anyway, I'm going to bug out. It's Thursday night, and I want to see if the house blew away or anything while I was on the air. But uh, thank you, everybody, for coming, and I will see you on Sunday afternoon. Bye.